Oh, man, it's lively up in here, and uh, thanks for being here on campus. Thanks for you all being on the front row or watching from Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we are so thankful that you are joining us online as well. So uh, I believe with everybody watching online, listening online, and everybody here that's also in this room, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to get a pretty high rate of success with this fill-in-the-blank question I have for you, okay? You ready? Especially my kids. I see a lot of Grove kids here today. Uh, I hope you know how to answer this question. There's an old song. In fact, I think I learned this song before I ever went to church as a kid. And it, I'm not going to sing it. I promise you. Don't get worried. Don't get worried. I'm not going to sing it. But so finish the blank for me. Jesus loves me. This I for the <laughs> I wasn't going to finish it for you. Yeah, for the Bible tells me so. I, that's pretty powerful. When you think about it, that's a powerful statement that we just, I, I take those lyrics for granted, you know, singing Jesus loves me so many times over the years of my life. How do you know Jesus loves you? And that song says, because what? But the Bible tells you so, all right? So where we landed at the end of the message last week, it was kind of a two-parter as we've begun this God series together. We're answering the question, how can we actually know God? How can we know Him? And where we landed last week is the way we know God is by His words. Like you would know anybody. You know, if, if, I'm, if you want to learn about me, if I'm going to learn about you, we have to have a conversation, right? Tell me what you like. Tell me about yourself. I'll tell you about myself. i tell you how I feel about you. You tell me how you feel about me. And uh, that's how you get to know people. It's the same as true when it comes to God. How can you know God? You know by what he's saying to you. And where we landed at the end of the message last week is this is it right here. This thing we call the Bible is how we know God's Word. We actually often refer to it. I often refer to it. Many people refer to it as God's Word, the Word of God. But it kind of leaves us with a few questions. Like, who said so? Like, where did that come from, right? This, this book we call the Bible, who, who came up with that? How did that become what we call God's Word today? And if you're ans asking all kinds of follow-up questions with that, it will take you down another road. Like, I know I've asked many questions about it over my lifetime. Like, wait, so how do we get this thing called the Bible? And wait, what about these other religions on the planet? They've got their own sacred texts, their own scriptures, if you will. Who said those are no good and this is good? Uh, who made that decision? How does that all work? These are really good questions. And if anybody's ever told you, oh, you shouldn't ask stuff like that, I would argue, no, no, no. God can handle all your questions. He, he's ready for them. Bring them. Bring them on. And these are questions we're going to try to answer just in a brief time together today. Now, I want to go back to a couple of verses we looked at last week together. They're awesome promises. Uh, I'm going to read to you Hebrews 11, 6 first. It says, And without faith... It is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And in that verse, it just reminds us that, that God wants us to seek him, and he wants us to believe that he exists, and he wants us to understand that if we do seek him, we're going to get rewarded for that. That's an amazing promise. And then in Acts 17, 27, it says this, that they should seek God 
and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. What I love about this verse is it's pulled out of a sermon that the Apostle Paul preached in a city where most of the people listening, we would consider they were very, very, very far from God. They were godless, perhaps completely void of anything we would call this thing Christianity today. And yet Paul is saying, he is near every one of us. Just feel your way toward him and you'll find him. That's what we're attempting to do during this series. We want to seek him and expect a reward from that, as it says in Hebrews. And we're going to feel our way towards him. And in so doing, actually get to know him. And more than ever before in all of your lives, That's what you need the most right now. That's what I need the most right now. So, to begin about this book called the Bible, now, by the way, we call this a book, but actually it consists of 66 books inside of this one book. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And it's there's no book like it on the planet. It's incomparable, and I hope that you will see that together today. I want to start by sharing with you what does the Bible actually say about itself. So 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now normally when I would teach from this verse, I focus on all those things that we get from the Bible. But today I want to focus on the first two words, all Scripture. What does it mean by that? Well, now the Greek word for scripture is graphe. It literally means writings. But it's often the word, the epithet, if you will, for scriptures, meaning sacred text, meaning the word of God. And almost every time that you see it used in the New Testament, it's referring to what we have today as the Old Testament. In a sense, the Old Testament was Jesus' Bible. Kind of weird to think of it that way, but in a sense, it was. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, which is another word for the Old Testament. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Some people falsely believe that, well, once Jesus came and we ultimately got the 27 books of the New Testament, we don't even need to think about the Old Testament anymore. Well, that's not true. Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. In fact, it says in Luke 24, 32, this one verse describes a really cool moment that Jesus had with two men. Now, the thing is, these two men didn't even know it was Jesus. Jesus had died on the cross, buried, had resurrected, and he was kind of incognito. Walking along with these two men, they were on a road to a place called Emmaus. And they are describing what happened after their conversation with this man, which we know in hindsight is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus actually walked with those men through the Old Testament as they walked along the road. And it says this, Luke 24, 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? The Old Testament literally points these men to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one that they were awaiting to come to redeem the world. Now, something like this kind of happens again in the book of Acts. Philip encountered an Ethiopian man, and he actually was on his chariot and had a piece of the copy, at least a piece of the copy of the book of Isaiah, 
which is a book of the Old Testament. Now, this is miraculous because it was very unusual for anyone to have a, an actual piece of the scriptures back in the first century. I mean, these were handwritten by scribes. And it would have been a big deal for a common Jewish person to have a, a piece of a scroll, a piece of the copy of the book of Isaiah. But here we have a someone of a completely different culture, a foreigner who was not Jewish at all, that had a copy of Isaiah. And it says in Acts 8.30, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Spoiler, the Ethiopian man places his faith in Jesus and demands to be baptized on the spot to declare his faith. The power of the Scriptures to point people to who God is, who Jesus is, is pretty amazing. So that's why I wanted to really park on this thing where all Scripture is breathed out by God, as it says in 2 Timothy. This breathed out Word of God, and it's referring many times in the New Testament to the Old Testament as we know it. It's ancient writings from Genesis all the way to Malachi. And it has the power to point people to this resurrected Jesus who came to redeem the world. However, 2 Timothy says all Scripture is breathed out by God. If we go to 1 Timothy, just one letter before that one, it says something peculiar. It's going to sound like a random verse, so I apologize. Let's get random for a minute. 1 Timothy 5.18. For the Scripture says, quote, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. I say that all the time. Do you all say that all the time? I say that all the time. And the laborer deserves his wages. That's another quote. Interestingly enough, Paul says there in that letter that this is what the Scripture says. The Scripture says these two things. That first quote comes right from Deuteronomy 25.4. But that second quote comes from Luke 10.7. So, right there in our New Testament, 1 Timothy, all Scripture breathed out by God, it's actually not referring just to the Old Testament writings, those ancient writings, the Law and the Prophets. It's also referring to at least some of what we call the New Testament from the Gospel of Luke. The accounts of the Gospel are included in Scripture already in the first century. And then in 2 Peter 3, it says this, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. In a very subtle yet strongly implied way, Peter is referring to Paul's writings as scripture, breathed out by God. So already in the first century, a man who walked and talked with Jesus himself, Peter, is looking at Paul's writings and saying, that is also the Word of God. Pretty cool stuff. So not only are we talking about the Law and the Prophets, those ancient writings, those 39 books of the Old Testament, but the 27 books of the New Testament have formed this book we call the Bible that has the power to change lives. Now, it didn't come with some other history, some other milestones. I'm going to just geek out for just one more minute with you. I love history. I know not everybody does. But there were three cool milestones that helped us to get to this being 
the canon of Scripture, as we call it, the Bible today, these 66 books. Because if you're asking, I know I've asked before, well, how did we get those 27 books of the New Testament? How, who decided that? Well, it was a long, prayed over, vetted out, Holy Spirit saw out process over those first one, two, three, four centuries in our history. Ultimately, one of the big milestones was a man, a highly respected theologian, historian man named Athanasius, who in 367 distributed a letter listing the current 27 books of the New Testament as Scripture. He was so respected that this was a huge milestone and a turning point. People were debating. Only a handful of the books of the New Testament got debated. You might imagine what some of them would have been. I cracked up that I found out in my studies that three of the books of the New Testament that were debated were 2nd John, 3rd John, and Jude. And you know why they were debated? Because they were so short. That's a pretty short book. Is that inspired by God? Should that be included in the Bible? Kind of interesting, isn't it? And then you got the book of Revelation, which is so difficult to interpret for us today. That was debated. Even the book of James had some debate to it because in some ways when he talks about faith without works is dead, well, that seems to contradict Paul a little bit. Should that be part of Scripture? But I'm talking centuries and many holy people gathering together, praying, debating, studying, vetted out what we have is the canon of Scripture today. There were two other milestones. A group of people came together in what is known as the Council of Hippo. Isn't that a great name for a council? The good old Council of Hippo came together, and they determined that these 66 books that we have today is also the Bible. Another council formed, the Council of Carthage in 397, agreed that these are the God-breathed books, the 66 that make up the Bible that we have today. The Bible has stood the test of time. It stood the test of debate in history. I can keep on going more and more with lots of history. I can tell you that there is more physical evidence supporting the authenticity and the historical nature of these books of the Bible than there is to prove that Homer wrote Odyssey. We have way more fragments that are close to the original of these scriptures than we do of Homer's Odyssey. It's pretty incredible, actually. And we haven't really talked much about the other writings of these other religions, but they're so different. In Islam, the Quran was written by one man, Muhammad, between 609 and 632 A.D. Hindus, their sacred texts are called the Vedas. And they were written maybe in 500, but we have literally no evidence of their existence till the 16th century. That's Hinduism. Buddhism, their texts are ancient, but they weren't even considered sacred texts until a man named Siddhartha Gautama founded the religion in the 5th or 6th century. In many ways, when you start comparing the Bible to what else is out there, there literally is no comparison at all. It's pretty amazing. But here's what I know to be true. Knowing God requires faith. I can throw all kinds of physical evidence, historical evidence, but at the end of the day, friend, if you want to know God, you have to have faith. You have to believe. I'll read it to you again, Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. But for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. It requires faith. So I have a question to ask you, and it's this. Do you 
you personally believe the Bible is God's word or not. That's what it comes down to. Do you actually believe that this book that we call the Bible is the word of God or not? It's crucial. Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. But if you don't believe this is the word of God, even that is in doubt. You have to believe. And it really is a step of faith. And I'm going to tell you, I went through it personally. I had six really, really dark months battling, does God really exist? Was Christianity a hoax? Is this Bible real? I happened to be a ministerial student, so that was really tough. And this thing came to a head while I was actually on staff at a Christian camp. It was the summer of 91. It was hard. I struggled greatly. I remember laying down my head at night at this Christian camp, and I'd spent that day teaching Bible, uh, teaching memory verses, sharing the gospel. And I would lay down on my head at night, and I would just throw up this little prayer like, God, if you're even there, help me. Help me. I just didn't know if he was there, and if he was there, I was confused, and I didn't know what to do next. At the end of that summer, I was struggling so bad, and if anybody were to know me, I don't cry easily. I don't know why that's the case. I'm just a hard-hearted guy, I guess. I don't know. But I remember weeping, laying face down in the living room of the home I grew up in, in Sand Hill Bottom in Harlan County, and I was face down, and I was just praying, I think, just trying to figure this out. And I kid you not, it was as if it was God's audible voice saying to me, hey, either believe and follow me or don't believe and walk away. And that really hit me hard. Like God actually inviting me to say, listen, you're on the fence. You've been on the fence for months now. Just make a choice. And I'm inviting you, if you don't believe, just go ahead and walk away. And I couldn't do it, guys. I had just a thread of faith still left that said, I can't walk away because I remember when I met him. I remember the experience I had when I was told about what he did for me through Jesus Christ, and it changed me. And I have lots of questions right now, but I believe he's real. I couldn't walk away. And that thread, that tiny little thread I was holding on to, it was enough. It reminds me of what Jesus said, that all you need is a mustard seed of faith and you can move mountains. He ain't wrong. He's right. But it comes down to you asking the same question. What do you believe? Do you believe that the Bible is God's word or not? And if you're struggling with that, like I did, you're in great company. Years later, I was reading uh, one of the biographies of one of my heroes, Billy Graham, who wrote Just As I Am. And he had the same struggle. He was already preaching like crazy. And he was in California at a retreat called Forest Home. And he was battling and struggling. And he went out into the forest and was walking and praying. And he ended up taking his Bible and landing on a tree stump and said, I don't have all the answers. I don't fully understand it, God. But I'm choosing right now today to believe that this is your word. And it changed everything. And friends, it will change everything for you. Do you really believe it? The next step I'm inviting you to take is this. Accept the Bible as the authoritative word of God. When you hear that sentence, you may be thinking, duh, I mean, yeah, you should do that. But I want you to really think about that. Have you done that? Like, have you accepted it? Have you taken it in and said, this 
is God's word to me. The things that we just sang today, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am who you say I am, God. Well, how do you know who he says you are? Have you read his letter to you? Have you read what God says you are? Do you know it? The only way, I've, I've thought about it, maybe there's a way other than the Bible, and I can't think of one, guys. It ain't there. This is the way to know who God is, who he is, what he's like, and how he feels about you. But if you never accept it and give it the authority, like this is what he says, if you never do that, then you will stay stuck. But friends, if you do accept it and let it have authority in your life, it no longer is a book of great quotes to throw up on Instagram and inspire people. It will actually transform you. But the choice is yours. Will you take a step of faith? If you've never done it before, will you finally make a decision and say, okay, I'm done debating and riding on that fence. I'm going to accept the Bible from here on out as God's word to me. Will you do that today if you haven't? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for teaching us this today because, God, it's so crucial. It's so crucial that we finally get off the fence and accept your word. And, Lord, I know we've talked about historical evidence, and it comes down to whether or not we actually believe you or not, God. And, Lord, there may be those who are wrestling much like I did and even Billy Graham did, and Lord, I pray that they continue to wrestle because I believe that they will seek you. As you say in your word, they will be rewarded for that search. They will be rewarded for wrestling. They'll be rewarded for that, God. I pray that everyone in this room and everyone watching and listening right now to this will be confronted with whether or not they actually believe that this thing that we call the Bible is your word or not. And Lord, for everyone who is right now talking to you, saying, okay, God, Right now, I am choosing to believe that this is your word. Father, may it become a great turning point in their life where they will finally begin to read it and even live it. Father, help us to do that. Beginning today, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for just parking and stopping and thinking about this book called the Bible. As you know, in these unusual times, normally I, here in this room, we will have people, hey, if you want to talk to someone and ask questions, we have a response time. When people will huddle down front here sometimes. We've not been doing that, but we still want to have conversations. We've kind of changed up how you can connect with us by actually asking you to text the word connect. By texting the word connect to our church number, it allows us to begin a conversation. That's all it is. When you text that word to us, we're just starting a conversation. You may have more questions. You may be struggling. You may be doing great, but just want to talk to someone about your faith journey. If you want to just have a conversation with anyone at all about anything you're dealing with, just text that word connect and we'll begin that conversation. We would love to hear from you. And I'm excited because what we've done today is we've laid the groundwork. Now that we have hopefully accepted this as the word of God, we're going to be diving and digging right in there the next several weeks to really understand who God actually is. And I believe we're going to learn some stuff together that's going to reward us for our search. So let's plan on joining together again, whether virtually online 
or here in this place as we continue to seek God together. Thanks, guys.